This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katy Gapayar here and joining me today is our lovely guest, Kayleen Kerr, founder of eSafe Kids. It's Child Protection Week, so it's only fitting that we sit down with Kayleen, who is recognized as one of Western Australia's most experienced specialists on protective behaviors, body safety, digital wellness, and pornography education. She draws on over 25 years of experience of study and law enforcement investigating sexual crimes, including technology-facilitated crimes. In today's podcast, we're discussing how parents can start the conversation about body boundaries, consent, and protective behaviors, so children feel empowered and equipped when it comes to their own boundaries and protecting themselves. Kayleen, welcome, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation, Caddy. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Now let's jump into it straight away, Kayleen. Can you talk to us about your role in child protection and how you've worked with the community, parents and children over the years? Yeah, Caddy, um, so it's a little bit of a backstory to how I come to be doing the proactive prevention work that I now do and is um, the predominant focus for me is uh, I spent 25 years working in law enforcement um, and also in the not-for-profit sector, um, engaging often with the children, their families, um, the wider community after harm had already occurred. And after doing that for quite a number of years, proactive prevention education became really important to me and that's sort of where eSafe Kids um, was born and it comes from that passion of wanting to educate, equip and empower children and young people so they can have safer and more positive experiences. And a, a really important part of that work is also supporting and hopefully inspiring the trusted adults in children's lives to tackle what can sometimes be the sensitive, challenging and more tricky topics as well. And so that is the predominant focus of my work now. And I draw on all of the experiences that I had sort of working at the coalface of harm to look at the ways in which we can step into education and conversation to minimise and reduce the opportunity for harm to occur. I, I work off a premise, though, that you don't know what you don't know. And when you know better, you can do better. And so my hope is that I can support parents with some understandings of issues some practical ways in which they might like to consider doing this in their homes in their schools and their community settings as well. Fantastic. Now, what are the biggest risks to child protection today? Are they coming from the digital world or real life scenarios? Uh, the reality is now in 2022, uh, our children have access to the world and our well, the world has access to our children in online environments and there are significant and substantial risks to our children in that environment. But there are also still significant risks to our children in the physical or the real world as well. Um, and I think that it's really important that we understand that these are issues that affect our children, um, whether they're online or offline. And much of the conversation that we can have around safety and the skills and strategies we can teach our children to identify unsafe situations, know how to respond, how to access help and support in the moment and after are actually very transferable and this is transportable knowledge. So yes, there's things to consider in terms of risks of harm in online environments and I spend a lot of time talking about that, but I never want people to lose sight of the risks that also um, occur in the real physical world as well for our children. 
I can't begin to imagine some of the things you would have seen, and I understand why you're so passionate about this. What's your opinion on the current climate and idea of consent, respect, and body boundaries? Are children and parents more cautious and aware of it today? Look, I think it's fantastic that um, each year more parents and carers, educators and trusted adults in children's lives are considering conversations around body boundaries, body autonomy, consent and respect. Um, these are conversations that I think uh, we have needed for many years. And I know that there's some of us working in these spaces that have been talking about this for literally decades. But it's really probably only in the last 12 to 18 months in Australia that this has become a national conversation and a conversation at the highest levels of government and and it flows down from there. Um, and I think uh, what often is uh, disappointing to me, somewhat frustrating um, and a little bit sad is that very often these conversations uh, at that level come about because of harm. And in, in this case, these conversations, particularly around consent and the need for this to be taught in, in homes and in schools, uh, came about as the result of uh, Chantelle Contest and many Australian, uh, predominantly females, talking about the sexual harassment, objectification, assault and violence they had experienced. Um, and it saddens me that it's that sort of conversation that really thrusts this into the spotlight. However, we need to, I'm always sort of uh, looking at the opportunities that present in any situation. And I think it's fantastic that it is now a conversation that parents are more open to in home schools and community. And, um, and I think it's, it's really important. Our children have been at risk in the physical world um, for decades upon decades. Um, and that risk still exists. Um, and I think that parents are perhaps more aware of this but still sometimes don't know how to have conversations that are age and developmentally appropriate, um, taking into consideration if you have a child with learning difficulties, differences or disability. So um, definitely I think that there is more conversation happening in this space. Parents are more aware of this. So our role then is to support them in really practical ways. And um, awareness raising is the first step to, you know, changing the way you're, you're thinking about things and attitude and conversation. So that's a good thing. Now, children, teaching children about consent and body boundaries is critical from a young age. What are some ways parents can start the conversation about this in an age appropriate way? Yeah, I think I always come back to a belief that from a very young age, we can teach children what consent looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. We can teach them to have an understanding of setting boundaries um, and personal body boundaries and how to express, express those boundaries and their wishes um, if they need to in a confident and assertive way. And also teaching children to accept and respect other people's personal boundaries. And the way in which we do this is going to be different across our children's ages. And I often think that for parents, um, we can uh, with those with younger children to really bring it back to some some simple things that we can do when we're in our in our homes with our children or in community spaces. Um, one of the ways that I talked to my children when they were very young about consent was actually looking at um, family pets. So we have two cats, and one of our cats really loves um, snuggles and cuddles and scratches, and the other one doesn't. Some days it does, and other days it does not. Um, and so just using those teachable moments that present themselves, where you can talk to your child about 
about, hey, sometimes cats like snuggles and scratches and sometimes they don't. Um, what sort of signals is the cat giving us that they might be really enjoying what we're doing? And how do we know when it's no longer enjoying it and we need to stop? So we can tune children in to, uh, to pets, um, if that might be the case, um, when they're really young, because oftentimes I think parents think that they have to have a, a really in-depth, long conversation with children about these issues. And what I would actually say is if you have the opportunity um, and the benefit of a bit of time is to actually play more of a long game. Um, I firmly believe that 101-minute conversations is going to be more beneficial than one 100-minute conversation. So with really young children, um, talk about animals and the body cues that they give and the importance of tuning into that. Um, and then as children um, get a little bit older, we can start to talk to them um, about <clears throat> Um, how they feel about different people coming into their personal space and that when it comes to their personal space and the way that they want people to touch them, that it can change. It can change in a day. It can change um, over a course of a week. Letting kids um, be know that um, we respect their right to, to give hugs or cuddles and some days that they don't want hugs or cuddles um, and they maybe can give a high five or a crazy handshake or an elbow bump or a fist bump. Um, a great opportunity uh, to teach this with children is when they're younger and um, we're tickling our kids and roughhousing with them, which is really fun and really important um, and that space for connection with our kids. But when we're doing that and our child says stop or no, that we stop immediately and then we can say, do you want me to keep tickling you? And if they say yes, by all means, start tickling them again. And if they say stop, stop. And by doing that from an early age, we're showing children what consent looks like, what it sounds like, and what it feels like. We're also demonstrating to our children through education, through modelling, and through practice that when they say no to someone or that something is not feeling okay for them anymore, that a person should listen and respect their decision. And my number one feeling is that very often we have conversations around consent, body boundaries, personal space, and autonomy. When we're talking about sex and sexual consent and actually I think these conversations need to start much earlier than that and then our children are having that repetition through their childhood into those tween years into those teen years where the conversation might be changing but we've laid down those foundational concepts and understandings. I hope that makes sense. It absolutely does. And I love the idea of using pets because we often have pets around, even if they're not your pets, they might be the neighbor's pets. And um, it's a really um, unintrusive way of teaching your kids about boundaries and touching and what that, you know, the pet is looking for. That's a great idea. Thank you for that. Um, now, do you believe fathers have a unique role in teaching children about body boundaries and protective behaviours? Look, I think that fathers and father figures, mothers, mother figures, um, grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles, I actually think all the trusted adults in children's lives have really important roles to play in their care, their safety, the protection and the education that we're providing them, the conversation that we're engaging in. Um, I do think it's, it's important for our children to hear from fathers and father figures on these topics um, so that in their homes, they're getting consistent messages around safety and their body boundaries and consent and respect. And Ideally, that those um, messages are also being supported in the other places that they spend time and with people they spend time with. Um, I think traditionally that very often it may have been mothers and mother figures having these conversations in homes. And oftentimes that could be because
comes quite simply for many of us, we grew up at times when perhaps these weren't conversations that anyone had with us. Um, and if they were being had, it certainly wasn't generally by our fathers or um, people in those roles. And so I think that a lot of dads do want to have conversations. They just don't always know how to do that. I think that they bring vital um, life experience, understandings that they can share with children and young people, and oftentimes maybe a different perspective of issues than um, a, a mother or mother figure in a child's life. So, yeah, I think they're absolutely essential. When I think about some of the foundational um, concepts that we're teaching children in protective behaviours, particularly around feelings and labelling our feelings and teaching our children it's okay to share their feelings and validating it, talking to them about um, appropriate expression of their feelings and emotions. I think it's really important that our children hear and see these conversations um, from males and their father figures in their lives, um, because very often um, our children might not be seeing that. And it can have a profoundly negative, negative impact on their health, well-being and safety across their lifespan. So um, talking about feelings is actually a foundational concept that we start before we get to body safety and consent and talking about social norms and gender stereotypes that we observe in our homes, our communities, and all the places that we spend time and the media that we consume. And I think that dads um, really have a fantastic opportunity here to step into those conversations. But let's be realistic and say it can feel uncomfortable and that's okay. Um, you don't have to get this right all the time. It doesn't have to be perfect. I think just stepping into these conversations, making space um, for the conversation, listening to our children, sharing our experience, um, problem solving with them, um, that is, is essential um, from all parents. But I, I do think that dads have a really important role to play. Great. Um, yeah, we do too, because they role model, of course, what other males in that child's life um, would be expected to do. So that's a wonderful thing for, for dads to do. Now, can you explain to us just how important it is for parents to remind and teach their children that it's okay to say no in the context of their safety and body boundaries? Yeah, I think this is a really essential conversation. And as I've said, I think that this needs to start in the early years and, and then we just expand on it as um, children get older. Um, and I, I always suggest if you have the luxury of time, do start in those early years. And I say this is your training wheels time. This is your time to sort of consider like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What are my family values? What are the things I want my child to learn? Um, and start that early because then our children are getting those consistent messages across their lifespan. Um, this is incredibly important. In terms of our children um, having an understanding that when it comes to their body, they can be the boss and they can decide who comes into their personal space. They can decide who touches their body in what in what way they touch their body. And they can also decide if they don't want someone in their personal space or touching their body. And I think that's really important. But when we start to think about children's safety in terms of prevention of harm, in terms of things like sexual abuse, um, sexual assault and violence, this conversation becomes absolutely um, critical for our children. Um, I think that we, having our children growing up, having an understanding about their personal space and their body boundaries, and that if someone does come into their personal space and they're not liking that, that they can say no to that person. They can move away. They can ask someone to stop because we've clearly demonstrated to that to them during their childhood. Um, so I think that is, um, it's really, really essential when we're talking about it in the, in the perspective of unsafe situations um, for children. Uh, so yeah, definitely a really important conversation. 
Um, I know that we, um, you know, we all want to have those conversations with our children. One of the um, issues that comes up or the challenges that parents have, and especially fathers having that, is that they don't want to ex express all the bad things that can happen and say to their children when we be beware, do this if that happens, because then they're showing them what the world has in negative ways. So how do you do that? How do you deal with that conversation? So I think with younger children, and I guess I have probably focused my conversation on younger children, because ideally that's where I, I like this to start. But um, obviously um, some people might not be arriving at this conversation until they've got tweens or teens. So with younger children, we're not talking about sexual abuse or harm or unsafe people. We might talk about some tricky people that just don't know the rules about coming into children's personal space. Um, so I think when children are younger, we can talk to them about um, when uh, there's family members or relatives around that they get to choose the level of affection. So if they want to give a, a, a relative a, a big cuddle, um, a, a tight um, hug or a kiss, that that's their choice. But also if they don't want to do that, there are alternatives. That, that that physical that expectation around physical contact with our children um, is considered excuse me and then as children get a little bit older so we're hitting that tween or teenage and you need to know your child and the time that's going to be right for them that's when we could start to introduce conversations about some of the things that are happening in our community and that are very topical and I'd always say um, seize on teachable moments that, that present themselves so the recent conversations around consent um, is an opportunity to maybe talk with children about there are um, why is it do you think that we're now having this conversation um, what do you think led up to this what were the experiences of those young people? Why do you think they had those experiences? Have you experienced that? Do you have a friend that has experienced that? Um, what would you do in this situation if you tried this and that didn't work? What could you do? So we can have that. That's a more gentle um, way. So we're not talking specifically about sexual abuse or sexual violence. And then um, at the time that's going to be right for you and your child, we can talk to children about there are some unsafe people um, in the online space and also in the real world. Um, and it's important that you understand that you are the boss of your body. And if anyone comes into your personal space when you've asked them not to, touches your body in any way you don't like or touches or tries to touch the private parts of your body, these are the things that you could do. Um, so you can see there that we can talk about these things without mentioning sex, sexual abuse and those that harm children. We can then have a more integrated conversation where we're talking about broader issues that are occurring in community. Um, and then we can also have more specific conversations about areas of harm in terms of sexual abuse and exploitation, uh, sexual assault and violence as well. Uh, thank you, Kayleen. You've... Um... We've been talking a lot about the younger children, as you say, but as you just said before, it's so critical for tweens and teens to understand their body boundaries and be equipped and empowered to stand up for themselves and say no and control what happens in their environment and their you know, proximity. Um, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. This topic is ongoing and so critical for parents to continue to stay educated on. It's been great to learn about your work and how you continue to work tirelessly to support and protect children in the community. Listeners, Kayleen has some fantastic resources as well as books available. You can find these on esafekids.com.au. The link will also be up on the Fathering channel. Once again, it's been an absolute pleasure and we hope to have you on again soon, Kayleen. Thank you for the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fathering First podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to give us some love, 
share it with your friends and leave a review on your preferred podcast app. If you're feeling extra generous, you can also donate to help us continue to change children's lives through fathering. The link is in the description. Thank you in advance. The content doesn't stop here. If you're looking for more support between episodes, check out the Fathering channel at thefatheringproject.org forward slash fathering dash channel for all your fathering resources.